Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert and I'm your host. Today I'm here with Justine and Devin from Blackbird Salon in Washington, D.C. They are both behind the chair stylists, educators, and salon owners. Justine and Devin, would you introduce yourself to, to our viewers and listeners? Hi, my name is Devin Cook. I am co-owner of Blackbird Salon. My name is Justine Carlisle and I am the other owner of Blackbird Salon. Thank you for joining us today. Um, for just to give our viewers and listeners a little bit of background, um, I I was at um, the Salon Professional Academy in Washington, D.C., and that's where I met, ran into Justine and Devin. They were at a career day there, and uh, we chatted about coming in, and um, I think they got a really interesting story. So uh, that's how we're, that's where we're going to start today, is hear how you, uh, you went from being rising stylist to becoming... Uh, salon owners and you know whatever stories you think are uh, interesting or important for uh, our viewers and listeners to hear. So uh, why don't we start? One of you can start uh, telling us like uh, how you got into hair and how you all met each other. Um, I got into the industry directly out of high school. I had started actually a program that was offered at my high school, which was just cosmetology. Um, at its most basic level. And then from there, that's kind of when I realized I had the passion for the industry. I had been working as a receptionist um, in high school at a local salon, and I kind of like slowly integrated myself more and more into the industry. And then post-graduation, decided to go to hair school. I went to Paul Mitchell Tyson's Corner. And then from there, I um, graduated and started working at a salon in Washington, D.C. And that's actually where I met Justine. Um, and then many years later, and the shortest version of the story um, blossomed into owning a salon together. All right. Well, we're going to hear more more about that. How about you, Justine? <laughs> um, I also got into hair school directly out of high school. I started doing hair when I was in high school. I would do like makeup and hair for kids going to proms and like homecoming dances. I just started doing like updos and I would charge them some money to like do their hair for prom and I had no background or skill but then once I graduated high school I went right into hair school and that was at the Aveda in Washington DC which I don't think is open anymore but they have that Aveda in Arlington so I went to Aveda and then I got directly hired after that at the salon that we met at and worked there for like seven years and then we became owners after that nice so um I think, uh, I guess I would like like to know, did you, uh, so you both went to school. After school, did you have to do an apprenticeship program? Yes. Yes. Um, we yeah. both trained underneath the same person. Uh, we did an apprenticeship program and where we were working, their apprenticeship was between a year or two years sometimes even three, depending on your skill level, where you're starting at, if you've gone to hair school or not. Um, so we did both apprentice at different times, but I would say our apprenticeships were around the same length, like about a year. Okay. All right. So go to school. Um, and were you both like your timing? Was it basically the same? Did you all just happen to be coming up at the same time? Or like, how did the timing of your training and stuff work out? Justine had um, was already on the floor, like as a full time colorist, by the time I started working at um, the salon. So I would say that she was probably a colorist for a year to two years before I started apprenticing. So 
actually like how our relationship began was she was more of a mentor to me and I would take classes by her because generally when people graduated the apprenticeship program they would then help on education if they were willing and so Justine was definitely one of those people so that's kind of how we met was um, her kind of guiding me as someone that had recently graduated from the program and then like helped me gain success through that program. All right, cool. So you're working at the salon together. You're both, you both, after you go through your training, you're both going through your training. You're uh, both working on the floor. How long were you both on the floor working together before you decided uh, that you wanted to open up a salon? I think two years. Well, I had, I was on the floor for two years, but she, you know, had been over longer, but probably around my like year and a half, two year mark, we had, we had both then been on education together and started talking about like future goals. And, and, um, was there like a catalyst that, that sparked, uh, this conversation or did it just kind of happen over, uh, coffee or drinks or something? Uh, how about, <laughs> tell us a little it bit did, about that. It definitely happened over drinks. Um, and I think it was like a progression. It was definitely over time. I mean, I had already been working as a colorist for maybe like four to five years at that point. And I was really excited about hair still. I was very much like in love with the industry. But I do think where we were at in the salon we were at, we felt like we had reached our goals with everything we wanted to achieve there, whether it was moving up their tiered system as like a master stylist or whatever, you know, they were calling it at the time, you know, I had moved my way up that. And I also feel like Devin very quickly built a clientele, had a really strong following of clients at that time. And I think we were both just interested to see what else we could like do for ourselves because I think we're both very much like go-getters. Like this is the next goal this is what we want to do next. And we kind of reached that point. And so then we got together over drinks and kind of just talked it out. Like, what are you feeling about your career? And where do you want to go next? And are you happy? And et cetera. Nice. Okay. So, so you, once you, once the, once the decision has been made, tell us about the hatching of the plan. Like, tell us about like, uh, a little bit about your, your journey and discovering like the location and making the decisions you made and, you know, and share as much as you can, because the more you can share, the the more helpful it is to others that are maybe thinking, maybe they've already decided they want to open a salon. Maybe, maybe they've had the drinks or maybe they haven't, but maybe their one day, one fateful day is coming. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, I think at the beginning, once we kind of realized that that was an option for us, we then quickly realized that we knew nothing about how to make that happen. So we just looked for inspiration anywhere that we could get it. And we really tried to find people that we knew that could give us some sort of insight and then just kind of like grab what we can. Um, and a lot of that came from online. Um, so then we quickly formed our LLC and started looking at locations. And then from there, we were introduced to people like realtors, lawyers, accountants, um, our 
current landlord, things like that. And <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, and they were able to kind of guide us like step by step on um, what to do next. So sometimes we really only knew what to plan for, for only like one or two steps ahead of what we were already doing. So it was really kind of just like taking a jump at a time and never really knowing like what the end was going to look like. We just knew like, okay, these are the, our, you know, tasks on the to-do list for this month. Like, let's just see what we can do. And I think a lot of our process, we didn't even know if we were really going to like be able to do it because it just felt so far-fetched. But then you slowly started climbing up that mountain and you realize it's not that far away. But, um, I mean, we're really fortunate that we had each other and that we had our family as a support system and a lot of our friends and other people in the industry that were just able to answer questions. But I think like what we started on was just trying to find as many people as possible that could guide us into like getting started. Nice. Okay. So you mentioned um, these different parties that were involved with your journey. Uh, you mentioned a lawyer, uh, an accountant, um, who else? A real estate agent. Yeah. Uh, any any other um, any other people that were would have like helped you along the way that were very important parts that you're glad that you had. Our landlord. Your landlord. Your and landlord. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, just because our clients, we were able to ask them for referrals, like secretly, like, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this, and we know that you're in." interior design can you give us some referrals things like that okay nice I we like did that. we had hired a contracting company um and they helped us with the build out and the design their team like had an architect working for them who helped us build out the space so we had them that was super important um and i think that's it i mean obviously family our family did a lot so what uh how, what role did they play other than like emotional, maybe emotional support? A lot of financial support too. Okay. Um, our family was really, really supportive of our dreams. And we did have a lot of help from family to help pay for everything that needed to happen on the startup. Um, Devin and I did put a lot of our own money into it as well, but our family did help out too, which was nice. Okay. That's awesome. You know, and not, and you know, I want to go back to, so I literally just said, feel like I don't want to under downplay emotional support, but we want to talk a little bit about, about that because uh, I feel like that's, that can be pretty big for some people who like a big, that's a, such a big move. Like tell us a little bit about the, um, the, like the stress and uh, emotions that were going on or were y'all just like cool as a fan and just ticking no, off. No. So we had signed our lease in 2019 and we didn't start construction or plan to start construction until March of 2020, which was a really ironic time for all things quarantine. So actually when we had finally started construction or got the permits, which was when everything shut down. So I think that was probably some of the darkest times of but without a support system, um, we wouldn't have been able to get through. And I think, like finances and things like that were similar to not really knowing what's next. You never really know how much the next step is going to cost. And it's really, really hard to plan for that, especially when 
you know, you are no longer able to work behind the chair because you're shut down or you, all of the things. So I think that emotional support and that consistency that came with the emotional support ended up being the most significant constant thing that we had during the process because otherwise I don't think, you know, I don't know what would have happened. But yeah, that was super, super important for us. Um, anything from like our friends in the industry to our families, to our clients, to really anyone that knew about it, um, them kind of like pushing us through was huge for us. Yes. Right. I... I even moved into my parents' basement while we were doing all of the construction to open the salon. So not only was I living with my family, I like was seeing them every single day, you know, being in a partnership with someone and trying to start a business while also being with your family. While it was great most of the time, it also was like stressful. I mean, I think that was probably the most stressful time in my life. And then to go home to my parents who only want to see like me succeed and have them ask me a million questions after I've just had like a 12 hour day. I was so exhausted. And I was like, I just need you to leave me alone. Like I just need my space. And they really just like took it from me. I was probably abusive towards them because I was so stressed out, but they never once like let that affect our relationship and it really helped me like continue on and their love and support thank god for that that's amazing that's that's so good so you're going so you all so you go to you both go to school at separate times you uh kind of get onto the floor at separate times but you're you're but you cross paths you end up together behind the chair and uh you hatch this plan uh because you you feel like you kind of you, you see the limit to your growth or where you are. So you're like, it's time for the next step. And, uh, and then you go through everything that you just mentioned about like COVID shutting down. And so when, um, so did your landlord like cut you a break? Uh, because you couldn't get any PPE money because you didn't have any W2, right? Yes. Yeah. He was awesome. You know, when you first sign your lease, you have a period of time where you don't have to pay your rent during build out. Um, and usually in your lease agreement, your time limit is like presented to you in the lease. It says you have this many days from when you sign this lease till X, Y, and Z when you have to start paying. And I think it was probably like a month that he cut us a deal to not pay rent because we were coming up on our time where we needed to start paying and we weren't open yet. So there was like a good little time. And he's a really great guy. I think one of the most significant moments that I'll never forget at that point in time is that he reached out to us and he offered um, that we didn't ask for it. Um, and I think that was because, you know, you're surrounded, uh, whether it's on social media or in the businesses around you, you're just hearing these horror stories about landlords or tenants and going at war with each other, just trying to one, keep businesses alive or rent paid. And, um, you know, when you're signing a lease to eventually own a business, you're thinking about a million things on like how you're going to get the doors open. And you don't really realize how significant that landlord tenant relationship is. Um, and, you know, you kind of just need to check all these basic boxes of like builds out or lease like time or things like that. And you also, I didn't really realize how important it is <clears throat> to, for them to be a really good person until you hear 
these horror stories of, um, you know, business owners having the doors closed on them when out of situations out of their control, right? So, you know, him being so kind and generous to us before we could even prove to him as like tenants was huge. And I think like we will always have such a significant amount of respect for him. And uh, we're just like so grateful for the relationship we have with him. And and even just like a year and a half in, he's so supportive of us and like eager for us to be new things or he's great. Um, but uh, yeah, so that moment in during quarantine where he actually sent us an email was like, hey, I want to take you guys a break. Like, I want to see you guys through this was huge because we were scared to ask for help because we, you know, I barely had any help. Right. You don't even have, you feel like you don't have any. We didn't have any. Yeah. We were like, we don't have any favors to ask for yet. Um, So we were just like really nervous, but he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially hearing such horror stories of people that didn't have the same favor. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, So that's a, I mean, that's a pretty uh, positive story. I mean, cause I, I personally know, uh, salon owners, one who, um, they didn't get any help. They got, I think they got like maybe a month or two or three to not pay, but they had to pay, they had to pay it back, you know? Yeah. And this is like, this is the landlord is like a publicly traded or if they're not, they're a massive, massive, you know, national corporation. So fucked up. Anyway, so I got, um, I got Okay. So I'm going to go, go back real quick. So, so we got your story, you got how you met, um, and you recommend, and, uh, and I'm just going to like throw the things that you threw out during the course of this conversation. Uh, and then I want to give you a chance to like add or, 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 or correct anything that I say. Okay. All right. So we, you need, you should have a, have a lawyer, have an accountant, a real estate agent, uh, you can get those people from your clients. They have referrals and, uh, or, or from the internet, a lot of, a lot of Google searches and, um, you know, lean on, lean on the people in your life, like family and, uh, friends. And, uh, you'll also are gonna, you know, once you get a little further along, you'll have a landlord and you'll have contractors and architect. Um, did that, did I get nail it or anything you want to yeah. add? Yeah. Okay. I think like, you don't always need a realtor, I don't think, because we did end up finding our location kind of on our own, but we did have a realtor who was helping us along the way. I think it really just depends on where you live. I think DC real estate at the time we were looking was kind of difficult and we didn't know how to get into a lease, you know, space. But I don't think a real estate agent is always necessary because, you know, they are getting paid by the deal that is made with a lease, um, which is great. I mean, they definitely deserve to get paid and that's a great career path. But to find a real estate location, I don't think you always need a real estate agent. So if you're starting out and you like want to take something off your list, you should probably take that off. Okay, cool. Um, Well, would you uh, would you all be open uh, for anybody who's in the area to share your your contacts of your lawyer, accountant, agents, contractors, etc. for anybody who's interested? Totally, we we are awesome. we do it all the time. We've had a couple of people ask already, and we we're like, yes, these people were amazing. 
Okay, great. So um, everybody who's listening or watching, we'll leave that information. Uh, you'll be able to get that information uh, either in the comments below or on the website, uh, but that'll all be down. If you just look at the comments below, you'll see that there. Um, how many uh, people work with you, with you all in the salon? I think I counted earlier and we're up to anyone what you count? I think I counted 17 because oh I'm including the renters oh it's a long list now to how many chairs do you track. have we only have eight so Justine and I also work behind the chair Wednesday through Saturday and then on Tuesdays um we people will use Justine and I's chair um, but then on Sundays and Mondays when we're normally closed, we do have part-time stylists that use those chairs as well. So there's overlap. Um, and then, of course, we have support staff between assistants, apprentices, and front desk. So our staff have grown. When we first started, like first day of Blackbird, we had 12. 12. 12. And now it's somewhere it between 20. 17 and 21, like depending on how many renters we have. So you know, sometimes people will use um, a station at Blackbird for only a short period of time before they're like, okay, the traveling isn't working for me right now, or I'll pick this up in the next couple of months. So, like, the exact updated number right now, but I think it's somewhere around 20. Um, but, like, full-time staff that's in the salon at one point during a day is generally around 12 people. Okay. Uh, and front, do you have someone that works the front desk for shampoos? We have three front desk staff. Um, one of them is a manager. She is a salon manager. And then we have two receptionists under her and we do have shampoo assistants and apprentices. And right now we have three, three shampoo slash assistants. All right. That's a pretty serious, big operation. Okay. So I think this was great. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, before we wrap it up. And, um, I would like, I like to end with a, end with a laugh and ask each one of my guests to share their most embarrassing moment, uh, behind the chair or in the salon or as it pertains to the industry. Um, I think, oh, sorry. You have one? <laughs> yeah, I think I have one. Um, I mean, I do feel like I embarrass myself all the time behind the chair, but I one that's just that I like specifically remember. I was in hair school, and this guy came to me was like this older guy, and he came to the school and he wanted gray blending because um, he was starting to see grays and they were bothering him. So he was like, "Is there anything that you can do?" Like he's heard of this term gray blending, and he just wanted to see if there was someone that could like lightly tint it, kind of so it wasn't as noticeable. And I went hard and I like bleached out his hair for whatever reason. And I accidentally dyed it like in trying to figure out gray, which anyone who's a colorist or a color wants to be a colorist knows that gray is an incredibly hard color to create on hair. So I accidentally dyed his hair blue, like bright, bright blue. And I didn't know how to fix it. I was a student in hair school and he had been there for like eight hours, like this poor father of like three kids. And he was like, I think it's fine. Like, I'm just going to go. And his wife had called the school the next day, like, uh, this is not going to work. Um, I think he had even done it for like family pictures, but instead I just like dyed it hair with blue. And I have this, but I was so, the most embarrassing part is I was so proud of it. Like I was <laughs> like, so I was like, this is close enough to, to gray and this is amazing. And I made him pose for pictures. 
And like you can see, you can see on his face that he's just like, oh my god. But he was like the kindest man ever, and he just like has the most somber look on his face, like. And I like making him pose from every angle and natural light, and everything, and he just has blue hair. And I still have it on my MacBook. I actually sent it in our like salon group chat the other day because it came up on like memories for me. Oh, I took it. I also poor man posted it on Facebook. Like I was just so proud. Um, probably still haunts him to this day but let me see if I have it like right on my phone and if it will transfer but it was so good poor guy poor guy I still don't like I still can't really do bleach out that well I don't know if I'll find a picture if I do I'll I'll pull it up okay cool sounds good good oh man I feel like it's really hard for me to think about a time where I was like really embarrassed. Nice. Um, which is which is good. I feel like I'm not yeah. doing embarrassing things very often, but I do feel like I've never told this story publicly. <laughs> and I think it's kind of funny. Kind of funny, okay. but kind of awkward. And it was when we first opened Blackbird. <clears throat> and it does involve a client and if she's watching this she's gonna know that I was lying <laughs> and I think it's time for me to tell her the truth even though she does know for sure that I was lying um when we first opened Blackbird <laughs> we didn't really have like a full front desk staff right away like this was probably a month before we opened and it was me and Devin like having to answer all the emails do all of the appointment booking, do all of the scheduling. And one day I was at the salon on the phone talking to all the clients that were calling to book appointments. And long story short, one of the stylists that we've hired at Blackbird, we never knew her before Blackbird, never crossed paths with her, never heard her name. She's fantastic. Her name is Renee. Love her to death. She works at Blackbird. And I guess sometime along our career paths in a parallel universe, I was once doing this client's hair and she ended up leaving the salon and moving to a different salon to find a new stylist. And I still would see her often like at coffee shops because she lived right across from our salon, like the one I worked at. So I would see her at coffee shops. I'd be like, oh my gosh, hi, your hair looks great. Like still keeping the relationship with her, even though she no longer saw me. Um, and one day I saw her at the coffee shop and her hair looked amazing. Like she totally went super blonde, looked totally different from when I saw her last. And I was like, wow, your hair looks so great. And she just was like, thank you. And then come to find out that she'd been seeing Renee, who we've now hired at Blackbird. And I see this name pop up on the caller ID. It's the client. She's calling to book an appointment with Renee. And I don't know what took over me, but I was nervous to talk to her on the phone. I don't know why. I just was like, I don't want to answer this phone call. I feel scared. I'm like feeling nervous. So it was just me by myself. And I answered the phone and I said, thank you for calling Blackbird. This is Devin speaking. How can I help you? And I pretended to be Devin on the phone. (laughs) And she paused for a minute and she was like, oh, you sound just like Justine. And I was like, no, no, no all the time. Uh, this is Devin. 
<laughs> and I kept it up. And I kept it up the whole time. And I've never told her it was me, but I know she knows it was me. <laughs> and it was just embarrassing. I feel embarrassed. And every time I see her, I think about it. Well, like, now because she's also heard my voice. <laughs> yeah. Now she knows Devin. And we sound nothing alike. But she's a great client. I love her. She's so nice. And I talk to her every time she comes in. It really is so nerve-wracking to answer the phone. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I'm not meant to be a receptionist. I don't like answering the phones and talking to people. So it is what it is. That's so funny. That's so good. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely done that before. So (laughs) (laughs) Now it's out there. Uh, okay, so next time we chat, we'll we'll hear all about your you know innovative business model, and um, it sounds like you're doing things that um, I haven't really heard that many people do before. So um, for now, let's uh, let why don't we say call it, uh, hold off, and uh, we'll wait until next time. And um, I just want to thank you for your time, and uh, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and how you got to where you are and all your recommendations. Um, do you have any, uh, if you had one or two tips for either a rising stylist or a salon owner or someone, some aspiring salon owner, uh, what would you like to add anything before we end? Um, I would say to stay inspired and to always find people that keep you inspired um, and then stick with that. I think this industry can be super draining and super exhausting and require a lot of work and dedication so I think it's extremely important to be surrounded by people that keep you um, moving in the right direction so even if you don't have it all figured out just yet or you have things on the back burner in your brain about where you might be going next just find people that when you pitch ideas to them that they'll support you or point you in the right direction and then everything else just can generally fall into place if you have a good team. I feel like for young stylists uh, who are looking to become hairdressers, I would say find a, that mentor or find an apprenticeship that really uh, speaks to you, someone that you look up to. Um, I feel like that was the best thing I could have ever done in my career was my apprenticeship. And then I would probably say to anyone looking to open their own salon or go independent with a suite, et cetera. I would say, um, don't be afraid to not know what you're doing because no one really knows all what they're doing when they first start out. And, you know, failure is important to grow. So you got it. You can do it. Love that. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for your time. And until next time, take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.